I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. more touches as good as Mike Hart is I don't think he can check him if he's isolated Bell misses the three but there's Hart again and now Pangos from straight away hit another three his sixth in the first half all right folks welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast busy time in sports huge special guest today Dutch come on in yeah I'm excited I'm excited how's it going uh Denison Husky alumni, we share a thing in common, which we're going to get to in the interview. I'm excited to have him on. Let's uh, let's get into it with our interview with Mr. Kevin Pangos. All right, listeners, super excited to have on local hometown boy, Holland Landing, Ontario. Got a connection uh, through us from Newmarket to Holland Landing, Dr. Denison. We've got four-time WCC first-time all-conference player, four-time NCAA March Madness tournament participant, Team Canada basketball member, looking to go to the Olympics, WCC Newcomer of the Year, all-time three-point leader for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, and the Euro League star, Mr. Kevin Pangos. Kevin, you on the line? Of course. Great to have you. Thanks, Thanks guys. for coming on, bud. I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll have some fun with this, and I'm going to pass it over to Dutch to get things started here. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Ke- Kevin, welcome to the show. And uh, we have one thing in common, and I'm not sure if you know what that is, but uh, we're both on the wall of fame at Dr. Dennison, my friend. <laughs> the iconic wall up there, eh? That's great. The iconic wall. I remember you... Uh, uh, when I was when I was reffing basketball over at uh, Sacred Heart, reffing uh, the ladies' league, and, and you used to come over as a kid shooting uh, hoops, and even at a teenager, you were schooling me then. So uh, nice to see. Listen, we're gonna get started. Uh, Want to talk uh, just real early about uh, Denison and and how you kind of you know put them on the map. What was it like you know taking them to Asa and uh, and how successful you were and, and getting to play with some of the big stars as you uh, made it to the uh, to Asa as you did. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, you know, for myself, I, I went to Denison, which wasn't really known for the basketball um, for quite a while. And then I actually got to go there. And a bunch of my buddies, we, we grew up playing together and we formed a, a pretty solid team. You know, when we were juniors, we, we played together and we, you know, planted the seed and stuff. And then once we got to, you know, grade 11 and 12, we uh, really started taking off and, and making some noise, you know, um, on the offensive stage. And so it was pretty cool. Um getting the chance to play against guys like Wiggins and um, the, the team Anderson. We actually played in Offset, and they have uh, two guys that played in NCAA D1 and, and are now playing overseas, so some good competition. It was just it was great to play with a group of friends and, and kind of put Denison on the map a little bit for basketball. Yeah, and, and talk to us about that, that iconic game. Um, you know, the score network was there with the video cameras, and 
you know, the, the, the crowd was packed and it was sold out. Like it, to me, it was something at the time that we'd never seen in Canadian high school back to basketball. Uh, talk to us about that game against Wiggins. Uh, Cause I know, uh, I know you dusted him. You dropped 48 that night. I know he had a good game in 28, but uh, you kind of showed, uh, showed up and showed out and, and talk to us about how, the, how crazy that game was. Yeah, it was a really cool moment. Um, you know, I, I knew Wiggs before then. We played on the national team together, and we were actually roommates um, when he was um, really young at the time. And so I got to know him really well. And then being able to play on that stage uh, for a school like Denison, who when we showed up into the gym, we did not look the part. Our uniforms were, were nothing special. <laughs> um, our our, our jerseys, our warm-ups, everything, we just did not look the part. And then once we stepped in between the lines and, and tip-off, um, I think we gained a lot of people's respect and, and that's what I kind of loved about our team was, uh, we just grinded it out and really worked together. And so that game against, uh, Wiggins, I remember vividly, um, we were definitely the underdogs, but we fought the whole time and it, it's too bad. Obviously it would have been great looking back now and be like, yeah. And then the, the story ended and we ended up beating them, yeah. you know, but we never did. <laughs> um, um, of course, but, but it was one of those things where. Uh, I can honestly say we battled the entire time and, and really gave it the best effort. And I think it was just a great experience for, for us. And I had some great games. The highlights don't show all the misses I had. I did miss a lot of shots as well, but I was just trying to be super aggressive those games. And um, But great memories for sure at my time at Denison. And um, those games definitely stand out. Yeah, that's amazing. Who was the coach for, for, uh, for Denison when you were there? So Brent Evans, yeah, he yeah. actually was a, a good family friend as well, and we, uh, um, I got to know, you know, I knew him really well, him and his family, and so he was he was great. He was really good at getting the the guys together and all on the same page, and uh, we constantly kept on, you know, growing throughout the season, which made us really good and peak at the right time by the end. Yeah, that's cool. So w- let's transition to uh, obviously the the next stage. Why why Gonzaga um, and 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 not teams like the likes of Michigan, Notre Dame, Virginia, Temple. I know you, you had a, a big there was a recruiting. They were looking at you. You know, what made you go uh, west? Yeah, you know, um, the the short answer is just a feeling, you know, a feeling. And that was that's the short answer. The long answer is, uh, you know, the, the factors in between just how much they wanted me, um, you know, they – they put so much time and effort into coming and watching me play and talk to me and, and, and selling me on Gonzaga and why I would fit in. Um, and it's funny because the first time I actually, they came to one of my high school games, um, one of my buddies, I don't even remember who on the team was like, don't you get nervous when these like college coaches come and watch you? And my, my answer, it was, you know, not really. Cause like, I just think, you know, what are the chances I'm actually going to go to that school? You know, the teams that come and watch yep. me play. Yep. Um, yep. And he asked me that after the Gonzaga coach was there because I really I didn't know much about them at that time. And so then once I started learning more about them and their history of basketball and how, um, you know, consistently they make March Madness, which was a dream of mine growing up and watching it all the time. And then um, I had advice from from someone growing up um, when I played on the national team at a young age. One of the, the vet players said the most important thing and I always remember, he said, go to a school where they've had someone like you in the past. And the reason is because once you get there, they know how 
to develop you and they, they value what you can bring. And, and that was probably the best advice I had because when I looked at Gonzaga, I saw a lot of myself and their previous players and guards. And it was true. Once I got there, they knew how to develop me. They showed me game film of all those previous players and it gave me something to kind of strive for to be like those other guys. And um, that was probably the biggest thing that and, and making March Madness were the two things that, that really sold me on Gonzaga and the family atmosphere. It's a definitely a family culture there, which was pretty special. Well, very cool. We we love we've we've been a Zag fan uh, ever since you were there, and I can't stop uh, cheering for them now. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of yeah. neat. Um, you said you know what are the chances of you going to that school, and it, you know that might have actually might have worked in your favor when you look at you know somebody who was there. You know, five hundred and ninety nine wins now for for Coach Few. Uh, 31 and 20 all time in the in the NCAA tournament. He's a, he's a top 10. By the time his career is going to be done, he's going to be a top 10 all time NCAA coach. Um, so, how influ- how influ- influential was was Mark Few in in your development and and when you first stepped on campus? You know, how did he kind of take you under his wing and and what did he do to to get you to where you are now? Yeah, no, Coach Hughes has been, uh, been great for me. Um, I stay in touch with them still this day every once in a while, and um, I have a good relationship with them. Um, and to be honest, off the bat, it wasn't so easy for me, which now I look back and I cherish. But at the time, my freshman year, he, he didn't really give me anything um, for free, which I didn't want, but he really, he really pushed me. And I remember freshman year in practice, I was going against guys like David Stockton and um, a lot of good guards and there were big guys like Rob Sacre and um, some vets that in practices I was getting killed and and coach Hugh was letting me know it too um, and you know giving me little jabs here and there to really push me and challenge me and and there were days I really struggled um, but I think it was all part of his plan you know to to help build me up and make me tougher and, and prepare me for those situations and in big games when you're in front of a big crowd in March Madison, the, the lights are bright. And so um, I look back and cherish those things for sure. And he was definitely tough. And then, then after that, um, once I kind of um, got going and, and started getting older, you know, going through my years, he, he really leaned on me more and more and gave me more responsibility. And, um, and, and, you know, me and him built a great relationship where I was trying to be him on the court, you know, whatever he wanted. I was trying to be the general out there and, and get the team doing that same thing. So we kind of got a, um, you know, a great relationship through that. Um, and he's just, he's a great coach. You know, he builds a great culture there, which is, I say his strength above anything else is he just builds that culture, that winning culture, that toughness that, you know, we're going to, to grind and fight and, and, and earn everything that we get. Uh, he, he instills that in his players as well. So I, you know, still bring those those with me to this day. That's amazing. Great insight there on uh, on Coach Few and the, the Gonzaga culture. I want to bring you back to another uh, special game and a, a game that I remember vividly uh, as I followed your career um, with our connection through Denison. Your second game in, in NCAA uh, history there, Washington State University, Kevin Pangos goes off for 33, nine for 13 from the three point line, seven assists, kind of your, you know, welcome to America. Welcome to the NCAA. Um, Kevin Pangos is here type of night. 
how special was that for you? And, and what did that do for your confidence, you know, happening in, right off the bat in game number two for you to kind of settle in in the NCAA and say, you know what, I, I do belong here? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, man, it, everything changed for me. It, it, everything skyrocketed. My, my confidence after that skyrocketed. And um, it, it was an unbelievable feeling and just having that opportunity to go out there. But um, I, my life changed, uh, you know, on campus as well. In the, the national stage with basketball, people knew who I was all of a sudden. I remember going to class one time in um, an English class my first year and the teacher said something like, uh, like, what's your name and what are you here or whatever for? And I said, oh, I'm a basketball player. And she said, oh, are you like a manager or something? <laughs> I, said, I said, no, no, I'm a, I'm a player. Oh, walk on. No, no, no. I'm a scholarship player. And, and then after that game, let's just say that never happened again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was, that was a one-time thing. Um, but that was just like a small story, but it was, uh, after that game was, was unbelievable, you know, the support and everything I got. Um, and another story is but the night before that game, I remember my assistant coach who recruited me, Tommy Lloyd, we have a great relationship and he, he came up to me and said, Hey Kev, they're, they're going to be playing the zone. I said, you're going to be starting. And he said, you're in there to shoot. So shoot the ball. You know, you're not in there just cause you're playing the zone and we need your shooting. So shoot the ball. And so the night before I went in, I got on the shooting gun and I, I swear I shot a thousand threes, just three, 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 three. And so I, I got in the game and I swear I could have scored with my eyes closed. It was just one of those things that was automatic after that. And before the game, I don't think I ate pre pregame meal because I was so nervous. Yeah. But once I got in the game, that thing was automatic. And so after that, everything, uh, you know, took off. I had my struggles freshman year and everything, but that one just gave me, you know, the, um, you know, the stage and the platform and, and opportunity after that, you know, it's the, it just kind of, you know, took me out of my shell and, and went from there. So it was, it was amazing. It was a really cool experience. So Kev, one thing I wanted to cover, especially for, for our listeners. And one thing that, that bothered me about, you know, those fringe NCAA fans was the knock that, that Zaga got in, in your first three years um, with the program. You know, you look at that, that first year you guys come on and like you said, you're playing with, with Zachary and Elias Harris and, and your running mate and Gary Bell, who you were there with. Um, 2012, you know, Kelly Olenek comes on the scene and, and you still got Harris and Bell there and, and then 14. And, but what I want to cover here is, is that in those, in those years where you guys were going and, and you, you couldn't seem to get over the hump in the tournament and you, you got knocked out in the second round a couple times, Ohio State, who ended up going to the Final Four, uh, Wichita with Fred Van Vliet going to the Final Four, um, Arizona, who goes to the Final Four, and then all of a sudden in 14-15, you guys make that Elite A run. What was the difference in that squad comparatively to your first three years in your freshman, sophomore, junior year? Because you guys had great teams, you had great players, great Canadian players, but what's, what was the pushing limit on that uh, the 14-15 team where you guys were able to uh, you know, get into that Elite Eight and, and give Duke a run where you were only down by five points with two minutes to go? And you were head to head with uh, with Duke in that uh, Elite Eight matchup. Yeah, honestly, uh, what separates? I <laughs> I don't know. I I really don't. It, it's the March Madness is such a tricky thing where it comes down to one game at one moment, and um, you you just don't bring it, or you miss one shot, or something happens, and it changes your entire season. Um, and so I will say this, and I'm not gonna give myself or anyone all the credit for this but my senior year I really wanted to get over that hump and 
Um, going back to actually Brent Evans, my high school coach, he was really good at building groups together and, and putting goals in mind and team building and that kind of stuff. And so um, I brought some of the things I learned with him and I said to Coach Few, I said, hey, listen, I want to do this retreat with our team and just go away for a day or two and do some team building exercises and um, this kind of stuff at preseason to just to bring the team together because I feel like these types of things can really build the team to when those moments do come at the end of the year and it's crunch time, you have that extra edge on other teams, yeah. you know, and, and, and I really wanted to leave everything on the line my last year. Cause I really did want to get over the hump. I didn't want to leave there without at least getting the second round or getting to a final four, those types of things. And so we did it and we did these team building things and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now, that's all the story is really. We did team building. We did all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if that's the reason we got over the hump, but I'd like to think it had a, an impact on how our team was able to come together and, and just achieve more, you know, that year at the end of the year. And, um, and we, we had a solid team, so much talent, but like you said, those other years we had talent too. So I think that that piece of the um, chemistry and, and goal setting, having that goal in mind from day one, um, just set us over the, the top just a little bit more and allowed us to to experience some things and make it to the lead eight. Yeah, and, and you know what? Hey, you can always keep in your back pocket in your four years, 122 wins, only 20 losses, 860 win percentage, uh, WC, WCC champions. Uh, they can never take that away from you, bud, so yeah. always keep that in your back yeah, pocket. Yeah, that's right. I'd say it's a pretty successful career, even though you guys came up short. And didn't, <laughs> you know, you guys came up a bit short and didn't win the big championship, but but still uh, a, a hell of a career in Gonzaga. And, you know, I know you go on drafted in the NBA, and I'm sure that was your, your ultimate dream to be in the NBA, but uh, we're going to flip into, you know, some – where you are right now you've had a successful career over in europe you're actually doing the tour of duty over there which is pretty uh pretty cool um but before we do um who just just for some fun who was the kind of the coolest player you've ever played with uh you know what give me a name throw me a name at one of you one of the, the coolest guys coolest guys i've played with oh I've played with so many guys gonzaga definitely one of the kind is rob sacre you won't meet another guy like rob sacre he's He's hilarious, um, really, really good dude. Um, got along with him really well. Um, you know, and then my back backcourt partner, Gary Bell, he, he's he's like steadiest dude you'll ever meet, just super consistent. Um, you know what you're going to get, great guy. Played four years with him, so wouldn't tra- trade that for the world. And so I'd say those two guys, different, but GB's steady, and Rob Sacre is the, the biggest character of him ever meet. He's a great dude. So off to Europe, and uh, you spent a few years in. Uh, you spent a couple years uh, doing Barcelona. Um, you started off, I think it was, um, if I'm correct, you were in. Now off to Lithuania, then back to Spain, and 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 now uh, we're we're live here, uh, and you're out in Russia, if I'm correct, uh, ready to do another season over there. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a journey, a really good one. It's been uh, enjoyable from Spain to Lithuania to. Spain and then back here. I keep on flipping from the, the hot to the cold to the hot <laughs> to the cold. I don't know why I do that myself because every time you leave the hot and get to the cold, it's so much so much different. But it must um, be that Canadian no, the Canadian blood in you, Kevin. It must be. I just always get attracted to the snow, I guess. I don't know what it is. Um, 
So yeah, it's been it's been great. I'm enjoying it over here. Um, the level of competition's outstanding, and um, it's it's difficult because back home it's it's hard to explain. There's a bunch of different leagues and levels and stuff, but um, you know the Euro League is is the top league outside of the NBA, and it's every every night you're playing a great team, and um, the competition's amazing. The fans are amazing, um, so it's it's really enjoyable. So you're with the uh, Zalgrays right now in St. Petersburg. What? Uh, so what's happening with there? Are they're on? Um, there are they on hold right now? I know we're we're all going through this crazy pandemic, and you know it's different everywhere. What's what's things like over there right now? Are you guys? Uh, are you actually um, getting ready to to start? Or are you uh, on a hold? Or what's happening? Yeah. So we're actually at the moment we're uh, we're quarantining because uh, eight players and and five coaches have coronavirus. So. We uh we got hit with that about a couple of days ago, and so um, luckily everyone's dealing with it pretty well. Um, a couple of guys had some high fevers, but are are getting better now, and so myself included, I'm I'm I got the virus and I'm quarantining right now. So not ideal, but um, those are the circumstances that we're in these days, you know. And so hopefully, hopefully there's some sort of plan because um, it is getting pretty bad in our league right now. There's still some teams playing. Um, but I think they're they're trying to figure out a plan B just because it's getting really complicated and it's starting to spread pretty fast. So um, hopefully they get something done. Um, but it's so tricky. It's a world we live in right now. It's a really tricky situation. Yeah. Well, you know what? Stay safe for sure. I mean, everybody's using that that phrase, but I'm, I'm glad that nothing major happened that uh, with you. So hopefully you guys stay safe and get back on the court. Um, let's flip to 2019, uh, the FBA World Cup uh, against the world's yeah, best. The FIBA yeah, the, world the FIBA, FIBA, I should say. Yeah. How? How? Yeah. What kind of experience was that? I mean, you're playing with the best in the world, and and then we want to talk briefly about, you know, your five years with Canada with basketball Canada, and then, you know, talk uh, briefly about uh, the Olympics, and then we'll let you let you get out of here. Yeah, it was it was great. We uh we went to China. Uh, I guess 2019 and um, it was awesome experience. You know, every time I get to play for Canada, it's amazing. Um, It's a lot of fun representing our country. And, and so we went to Australia for a pre-tournament, played USA, Australia, New Zealand, um, great little prep and then went to China and unfortunately didn't qualify, um, but played two good countries um, and lost them in Australia and Lithuania who are, are powerhouses globally. So, um, unfortunately didn't pull it through, but it was great. Cause I also got to play for, um, the Raptors coaching staff and Nick nurse and his assistants and stuff. Yeah. And, um, uh, playing for them was great. I learned a lot, you know, the, the culture that they have with the Raptors is, is unbelievable. And they carried it over to the national team. And, um, I learned a lot, you know, he pushed me to, to expand my game and start shooting different shots and, and everything. And it, it was just nice to learn from, from someone new. And he was super positive all the time. And, and really, um, you know, uplifting and building the team together. So I enjoyed it, and and hopefully going forward, I can continue playing for the national team because uh, I definitely enjoy it. Yeah, that would be something special to uh, to see you be involved with the the upcoming Olympics if it uh, happens here in twenty twenty one. So, um, in closing, Kev, what's uh, what's next for Kevin Pangos? It's a, it's a storied career. It's a great career. Um, you know, a small town boy going to the NCAA, like you said, playing in the Euro League now, representing his own country. Uh, what else do you got on your slate? What's still motivating you? What's your goals moving forward? Um, tell us what you got going on. What, what's your plan? Yeah, so uh, I like to think of myself as, as young still, you know, 27 for basketball. I think you're, I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, so I'm still I'm still hoping to keep on going up. And, and for myself, I just try to um, 
you know, improve every single day on, on myself and, and grow as a person and a basketball player. And so, um, especially in the circumstances right now, uh, no one knows with my profession as a basketball player, professional athlete, what's going to happen with this virus and stuff. But I'd love to give the NBA a crack. Um, it's something I think about every single day still. I have been for the last six years. Um, and then over here, I just I want to keep winning and, and, and building the teams I'm on and, and trying to win some championships, you know, to get that, that resume over here built up because um, there's a bunch of legendary players over here that have played for so many so many years and won a lot of championships and it'd be great to try and be in that category with them. Um, but yeah, definitely in the meantime, uh, winning over here, trying to continue to get better. And then if I can make it over there and, and get in the NBA and crack a roster, that'd be uh, you know, a dream come true still. So still keeping that dream alive for sure. Awesome. That's great to hear. And I'm, I'm so glad that, uh, that that's still alive for you. Give our listeners a little background. You may have a little bit of insight. You may not, I'm not too sure, but um how how about like how does that go about kev like would you are you just kind of waiting for a for a, a training invite from from an nba team um would your representation be kind of showing you and showing the highlights because you know you could there's tons of highlights from from you in the euro league uh dominating averaging 19 points in the first couple games this season tons of assists um so would you just kind of you know do your thing and and wait for an invite or are you kind of always selling yourself to get back into, uh, you know, the eyes of the NBA. Yeah. You know, it's, it's super tricky. I, there's not like one path that, that you really go for. And, um, so right now kind of where it is, is I'm, I'm waiting for an invite, but I'm also kind of waiting for the right opportunity because, um, you know, there's not all good opportunities in the NBA either. You're not going to play or you don't have a contract guaranteed or, um, it's just not the right situation. And so how, why it's also tricky is because overseas, they start offering contracts around, let's say, April to June or July in between there. And the NBA for guys overseas doesn't always offer contracts until about August or September. Yep. And so why that's tricky is because then you're turning down some good money and a chance to support your family overseas for something that's not guaranteed in the NBA. And so it gets really tricky just time-wise because – um, the stability's not there, and, and the NBA is not making decisions until after Europe is. And so you really have to either know you're going to get something for sure or have trust in, in what people are telling you, and, and that stuff always or can fall through. So it's just really tricky, if that makes sense, yep. like, on the timing of how things work. And so we'll see. I'm just kind of waiting it out, trying to, like I said, keep working on myself and, and keep getting better. And when the timing's there, hopefully can can capitalize on it because – um, you know, I can just control what I can and, and let everything else try and fall and, and, and fall together, you know. So we'll see. But still keeping it alive for sure. Tons of fuel left in the tank, young boy. Tons of fuel left in the tank. Tons, tons of fuel, for, well, sure, we, for sure. Well, listen, we, we certainly appreciate you coming on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Uh, you know, say hi to your family for us. I, I know your mom was a teacher of mine uh, back in the day. And we wish you nothing but the best over the next few years and, uh, and get yourself better uh, and let's – Let's hope the world can uh, figure this uh, COVID program out and uh, you're back on the court in, in no time and, uh, and you continue to rock the three-pointers, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, guys. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Kev. We appreciate it. Keep shooting. Keep doing your thing. And, uh, hey, you never know. You might be here uh, playing for uh, the Canadian team, the Raptors, um, at some point in time. We'll always be rooting you on, my friend.
Perfect. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. So fantastic hey what an interview i'm so pumped that he still wants to play in the nba uh he's he's going there it's scary to hear that he's got uh coronavirus uh you know we're praying for him i'm sure everything is going to be all right but uh what a nice young man and 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 you can tell he was had a great bringing up with his family it was it was really nice to see and it was great chat with him yeah really cool following him along his whole career um you know a big advocate for him always talking about denison huskies and and going to gonzaga Hey, just like I said to you off air, the path could be there. Number seven, all-time greatest Raptor. He could be on his way out in a year or two. Freddie Van Bleet takes the starting role. And Mr. Kevin Pangles walks right into a nice little backup role with our Toronto Raptors. Hey, it's a dream, but we can all dream, right? You can, you can all dream. You got it. You can all dream. All right, listeners, uh, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Ginger and Dutch one we got some big-time sponsors coming up, some more special guests coming up. It's about to get fun, folks, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Dutch, Dutch, help me out here. Can you get the car door there for me? Yeah, yeah, man. Hold on a minute. I got some breakfast here, man. It's breakfast of champions. Try this. What the hell is that, buddy? That is way too greasy. If you spill it all over my car, it still help me. Keep your greasy paws off it. Just keep it off my stuff. Dutch. Dutch, I'm suspecting a little bit of hostility here. You know, hostility's a sign of immaturity. Yeah, suck it, immaturity. Just keep your greasy paws off my stuff, goddammit. If Ginger ever learns to eat properly, you'll be listening to our podcast, where Starsky and Hutch are no longer, and it's now Ginger and Dutch. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. We're going to get into it here. A lot to talk about. We got NFL Week 5, our Week 6 picks. The King and his army are back and have been crowned. We got baseball playoffs, semifinals, ALCS, NLCS, PGA Tour, big name getting COVID. Ginger and Dutch are still hot on the golf course. Dutch, come on in. Week 5 NFL. Oh, Calamity and commotion. Let's get into it. Well, first off, you got to feel for Mr. Dak Prescott. I, I feel that uh, the, the, the boy's going to miss out on his payday. Scary, scary injury. It can happen to anybody. But, of course, when it's a quarterback and a freak accident like that, it was, uh, it was, it was tough to watch. Um, lots of video out on it. It was tough to watch. And he messed my parlay up, too. But, anyways, they, they, they stayed alive in Survivor. So that was pretty cool. Some, some big teams gotten, uh, getting a little whipping. 49ers uh, got whipped. The Chiefs lose. Um, it was uh, it was not the best week for uh, for the big time teams. No, they struggled. They did. They did indeed struggle. And it's uh, it's the NFL, and it's any given Sunday. I had on my calamity the San Francisco 49ers uh, just struggling. Who would have saw Fitz Magic going on the road cross country and laying an absolute whipping on them? But they're banged up. They're hurt. We yep. knew Garoppolo, and that's why you laid heavy on the points yep. on the Dolphins. Great little pick there from Dutch. Um, yeah, when you when you break it down, it, it, when you look at it from the initial reaction, big time upset. But when you start to break it down, and who was actually on the field and practice time and all that stuff, not a big surprise that that the Dolphins were able to not only cover but win that football game. The Chiefs, hey, they're human. 
Yeah, they haven't looked good, and, and, and they haven't looked good on defense. Uh, Mahomes and Mahomes, but they, they shut them down. It, they, they did shut them down. It was a tough game for them. And they're going to bounce back. Like you said, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to go perfect in the NFL, and especially with what's going on right now with all these scheduling changes. And, and we, there may be more little COVID incidents that we don't even know about. They're sliding a few of them under the radar that are not affecting the actual team per se. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. We had a um, we've got a, a Tuesday night game, a rare Tuesday night game. Your beloved Bills um, going on the road against the uh, the COVID Titans. We're going to call them right now because they, they seem to be locked down. I wonder what's going to happen in that game. Like, is is this a is this a head scratcher? Is Tennessee going to be ready to play, or what's what's it going to look like? Yeah, that's going to be that's the ultimate question. Uh, how much practice time have they got in? And to me, they're already with with all the players on the COVID uh, list. It's it's Buffalo's right for the picking here, and and Buffalo's been sitting in the weeds preparing for them. The only thing that Buffalo hasn't had the opportunity is they haven't really known that they were playing the Titans for sure. It was kind of up in air. Titans going to play, not going to play. If they don't play, then it's the Chiefs. So Buffalo's kind of had to prepare for two different teams because they've got the Chiefs next Monday now, but that game was originally scheduled Thursday. Yep. So look, slight disadvantage for Buffalo, but I would say more for Tennessee. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what two teams come out here. Yeah, our, our friend uh, Sal Capaccio was on today with uh, Jones and Smith, and he was actually talking about the same thing. Very tough to prepare for two teams. They were going back and forth. So you make a great point on that, and I know you weren't listening, and I was, but but you are correct on that. Uh, that's exactly it. It makes it for a difficult, uh, a difficult game, but I think the Bills are going to pull it off. You know the team that, that really stood out to me this week, uh, again, is... Um, and they're quietly going through the motions, and I know you. Um, I know you picked them this week, and they they did have a nice cover for you. Um, I, by I, on the other hand, only had one good pick, but you uh, you're catching me here. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers? Ben Roethlisberger, four and zero. We got a new star in the making, eh? Canadian kid. Canadian boy, Abbotsford, BC. Eh? Chase Claypool. Four touchdowns. I mean, what a coming out party. I mean, you know what? Let's we'll we'll take it easier before we see what actually happens. But yeah, I don't want you going off like you did about Justin Jefferson. Yeah, here. yeah. So let's no, just calm no, her down I know, here. No, I know. Well, <laughs> they've got a quarterback, unlike her cousins. So, uh, but the the Pittsburgh Steelers, they looked really good, and yeah. and I do want to talk about that Vikings game on Monday night uh, last night because it was, or sorry, two nights ago, uh, Sunday night's uh, football game on the decision that you and I debated about. But the Steelers are for real, and the AFC, you better be ready to face those Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. I'm liking what Buffalo's doing. I'm liking what Pittsburgh's doing. I know the Chiefs are there. And how about that division, the Kansas City Chiefs division? Man, they're they're pretty solid. The Las Vegas Raiders, hey, they showed up. Yeah, you know, they, they're a solid division. And, hey, the Chargers gave the, the Saints a, a hell of a scare. Yes. Minus from a doink on a 50-yard field goal. If the Chargers could ever find out uh, the kicking situation, yep. they'd have a pretty good team too. So, yeah, that West is a, is a good uh, good division. And, and the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, have been some playing some good ball and pushed the Buffalo Bills uh, last week to, to the edge as well. So, yep. But three teams, one undefeated, two at four and one. The AFC North's got to take the cake. Sure. No? Yeah, um, best division in football, in my mind right now, through five weeks. Like you said, the impressive Steelers, we know what the Ravens are. But the AFC is in for a tough challenge. And there's about four or five teams here that could really make some noise or take this thing. So it'll be exciting to see as we work our way through. 
uh, week six and beyond as to who's going to take this uh, this call. Do you think any one and four team, and I know I'm only saying that because of the Vikings and there was a heartbreaking loss against the Seahawks on Sunday night. Do you think uh, any one and four team, you know, can right the ship and, and has a chance now? I think there's two of them. And I think they're the same two teams we talked about. And that's uh, the Houston Texans. And the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, the Vikings went toe to toe with um, right now's front runner of the MVP, Russell Wilson. Yeah. And uh, you know, was the right call. I would argue that the whole way through. It yeah, was and the I got right ripped. Call. I got ripped on it. A bunch of my buddies were, were 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 messaging me and saying, you know, why didn't they do that? And I'm like, of course you're saying why didn't they do that? You know, you have an opportunity. It's fourth and one. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a field goal and and give? Russell Wilson the ball at the 25 with the same amount of time and you've got a, an eight point. You know he's going to make an effort to march down the field or do you have a yeah, chance to do Yeah, he showed you that he did. He, he just gonna, did it. And yeah. they weren't going to stop him on That's the right. two-pointer. That's right. That's right. So they, they, it was the right decision. It was just, uh, it was it was crappy to see them get stopped at fourth and one. But let's hope they got a chance to, to come back. Their schedule gets easier. Yeah, and I think uh, from what you're hearing, they're going to, they obviously think they can get by the Falcons. Without Cook, I think they're going to rest Cook with this groin. Yeah. Uh, then they go on the bye week, and then then it's put up or shut up. You know, you get by them, you're two and four, and you've got the likes of Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, Jacksonville in there. So if you can win a couple of those divisional matchups, or at least hold your own and win the games you're supposed to win, I don't see why you can't come out of this thing at eight, nine and seven and, and yeah. get into that last playoff spot. And yeah. it's the same for Houston. Yeah. Uh, the Colts are coming back down to size now. Uh, got dismantled by the Cleveland Browns this weekend, and they're in that same boat. Hey, Romeo Cornell, they're gonna get behind him. Yep. You know, when you hear about you know JJ Watt calling out Bill O'Brien in practice in front of the team, you've lost that team. Romeo Cornell not gonna lose the team. He's a player's coach, and um, you've got Deshaun Watson. If you can get the defense playing, you've got a shot here to make a little bit of a run. Yeah, and before we make our picks to another another firing, which we uh, we uh, we called and predicted a couple weeks back, uh, both of them deserve to get fired, but they are humans, and it's sad to see uh, you know the, the coaching uh, carousel. Uh, it's two very very rare do you see two coaches fired in the first five weeks in the NFL. So two of them gone. I'm sure they'll land jobs. They're they're both viable coaches. They just uh, they just weren't fitting anymore in their programs, right? Yeah, and and that's it. Hey, we I called out last week at the end of the podcast saying you know Dan Quinn will be fired, and like you said, they're humans. We don't want anybody to get it, to get fired here, yeah. but it's uh, part of the job when you're in the limelight of the NFL, and yeah. it happens. But like you said, they're well qualified, good coaches. They'll find a coordinator or another head coaching spot and land on their feet for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting a little bit closer in this uh, this race, Dutch. Uh, I caught you another game, third straight week for the Ginger at two and one. Yeah, hope uh, our listeners are listening out there, not on a, a heater, but I'm uh, just solid performance. And we're still above 500 five weeks in. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Eight and seven for me and seven, seven and one for you. Uh, you know what? We obviously both got the Saints game wrong. You were you were 2-0 oh during, the, during the Sunday's game. So we, we both got the Saints game wrong. Um, let's do it. Let's. Uh, it's your turn. You're going to start this off. Uh, our, our three picks, of course, including the Monday night. We're going to go with the uh, the 8-15 start, the original Monday night game. So we'll have uh, Arizona and the Red Rocket in there for Dallas taking over for Prescott. Fire away, Ginch. Well, like a good uh, good friend once told me, you ride that horse till she bucks you. And uh, I'm riding the horse, and I'm riding Mike Tomlin and those Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I found them at minus three and a half here against the Cleveland Browns. I just don't think 
The Browns are quite at that level yet. The Steelers' defense is as close as you're going to get to uh, a shutdown defense in 2020 in the NFL. And uh, Big Ben's back, finding Claypool, uh, finding Deontay Johnson, finding his weapons. James Conner, steady Eddie with that offensive line that's still healthy. And we're taking the Pittsburgh Steelers minus 3.5 against the Cleveland Browns. I like it. I like it. We're also riding the other side of that horse, and that's the struggling side of that horse. And we're going against the San Francisco 49ers in a big divisional matchup here early on in the year. 4-1 and one Rams coming in against the 49ers. I believe that spreads at 3.5, and, and we're going to take the Rams. I see them winning by 4 or even a touchdown in that game. Just too much firepower against a banged-up defense. Garoppolo just struggled big time. Who's going to be the quarterback? Are they going to go back to Garoppolo again? Um, if so, he's got a lot of rust to work off, and we'll see. But I'm liking the Rams this week. And in the Monday night matchup, I just don't trust the Dallas Cowboys defense. And uh, the Red Rocket, hey, I love the Red Rocket. He got my beloved Bills to the playoffs. I always uh, hold the spot for him. Uh, minus three and a half. And I believe it's the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray finally throwing the football well, can still use his feet. And we're taking the Arizona Cardinals. Minus three and a half. All right. Well, I, I, at least I get one different with you than uh, I do like both of your picks. So I'm going a little bit uh, off the board here. Uh, I'm loving the Green Bay Packers after a bye week. Minus two against a beat down offensive Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I just think Green Bay's just too good. And, and uh, Devontae Adams will be back. He's yep. ready to roll. Uh, Green Bay's just going to lay a whip down on him. They're going to smack him down. I, I, this could be a double-digit victory. I don't know why that spread's only minus two. I'm just appalled by that right now. I it just must can't be the it Brady effect. Must be the, Tom Brady. Must be the Brady effect. Um, I'm going to take a, an underdog here, and I know it's probably not the the, the, the smartest pick, but I, I, I have done my research on it, and, and, and you know what? There's going to be fans in the stands, and this could be another another coach that's fighting for his job, even though they're still in a division because the division sucks. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles plus eight Doug over the Baltimore Ravens. I know you like the Ravens, but Philadelphia they 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 seem to be able to hold the games in. Um, I don't trust Lamar Jackson's arm like we keep saying, and I think Philly can shut the run down a little bit. It is at home. Yeah, they do got a good D line. It's the first time they're going to have some fans. There are about eight thousand fans going to be in there, yep. and those fans are raucous. They're going to be throwing snowballs, garbage cans, <laughs> spitting, doing whatever they can, trying to do anything they can to to uh, to take uh, Philadelphia. Just don't send Santa. Just don't send Just Santa. Just don't send Santa. And on our Monday night game. You cannot so, take the Cowboys. I am going with the Red Rocket. I am going with the Ginger. Andy Dalton looked good. Opening drive comes out there and goes, uh, well, maybe not opening drive, but he was 9 for 11. He's still going to be fine. He's a good quarterback. they got a ton of weapons, and they're going to win this one for Dak, baby. They're going to win it for Dak. Oh, I might on. think they're going to win it outright, but I'll take the plus 3.5. They may let up 50 against Kyler Murray. Well, we'll just have to see about that. Dallas Cowboys plus 3.5. That's for all you Cowboys fans because we, we don't like any of you, but I'm taking them. I believe in the Red Rocket. The king gets crowned, cements his legacy in the conversation of the greatest of all time with the likes of Jordan and Bill Russell and Magic, and the list goes on and on. There was never any question when he had his running mate, Anthony Davis, join him. We knew what was happening. Jimmy Buckets 
well done, my friend. You were able to steal two games literally by yourself as uh, the Heat just weren't healthy in the finals. And once that happened, we knew uh, it was all she wrote. Yeah, they were banged up. And, and yeah, the King does get crowned. Um, I just didn't really like the closing ceremony, in my opinion. I just, LeBron, just the way he spoke about his, his, his not his legacy but you know him with uh if Miami and talking about he he just named his his sidekick stars but didn't say anything about his his other teammates you know he basically said oh you know what I I needed some support so I went to Miami with Bosch and Wade and and now you know winning a championship here in LA uh you know thanks to my friend Anthony Davis and and he didn't even care to mention the rest of his team I'm like you know you're I don't know I'm done with the talk. They'll never ever be. There's so many different eras, and and you're never going to be able to say who was better. All I know is, is is Michael Jordan was a hell of a lot more fun to watch than the bully LeBron James, and that's my opinion, and I'm never going to change it. But good for him. Four championships. Uh, he is clearly four MVPs. Yeah, he's clearly he's clearly you know found his spot. Um, it's just he's. I'm just not a fan of him. Hey, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. I'm sure all those guys, he's talked with them. You saw actions speak louder than words. You saw him go to every single guy and spend 10 to 15 seconds from the Carusos to the Rajon Rondos to the Kuzmas uh, to all those guys, Dwight Howard. They they know how he feels about them. Um, they know their role. Look at that was the difference in Game 5. Was Miami's guys, fringe guys, if you will, played better than the Lakers guys. Rondo struggled from the field. Caruso was a non-factor. Yep. Um, and Miami's guys stood up, and that was the difference. LeBron couldn't have played a better game than what he did in in, in Game 5. Right. Probably one of the most efficient basketball games that I've ever watched live. 15 for 21, another triple-double. Um, he's he was just really efficient. Yeah, and so, he's got he's got more in the tank too. Listen, he's got he's more. He's not the tank. done yet. He's not done yet, and we know he's not done yet. They'll be there again, whether they're whether they're the same squad or not. They'll be there for the next year or two, provided he stays healthy. He's got lots in the tank. I couldn't agree more. Well, what I loved was the fact that he called out these Twitter haters. I'm here to earn my respect. Yep. He follows it and he uses it as that fuel. For sure. He and does. I think it's pretty cool that he called everybody out yep. on it. Yep. Give me my respect. I'm gonna earn it. And he's And those guys it. have to. Listen, Jordan did it too. Like yep. him or hate him, right? He used fuel. He picked on guys. He used fuel. Uh, sometimes he even made it up as we as we found out back in the when yeah, we were watching the, dance, the last dance yeah. way back when we first started this, but um, anyways, good for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, uh, won it for Kobe, as they said, and um, it was just a, a storybook ending for sure. Major League Baseball, ALCS, NLCS. Well, boy, was I wrong. Um, and the Tampa Bay Rays are off to an amazing start against Houston. They're up two zip. Uh, they're going through this rapidly. It sounds like with the uh, with both series, it's seven games and seven nights. Like here we go, buckle up. Yeah. So, so you got the Rays up two zip. And then you got Atlanta taking down. Uh, they won late. I think they scored five in the ninth last night against the late uh, against the um, the Dodgers. The Dodgers. And here we are. Is that the way it's going to end? We you can't have the Dodgers in there. I said this last week. You can't have the Dodgers in there, and we know we don't want Houston. So are we gearing up for a Tampa Atlanta final? We could be. Uh, Kershaw's out today. Kershaw's he's up got today, back yeah. spasms, so yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's pushed yeah, out. Yeah. Um, these Braves could be off to a two nothing lead. Uh, they've got the bats. Can the pitching hang tight? 
we will time will tell. And the Dodgers bullpen, especially on off of this short rest, like you said, with with seven days and seven nights and, and these rapid fire games, uh, that Dodgers starting pitching better step up. And hey, they've already got one down. Bueller lost there. Kershaw's back maybe a little wonky here, so it could be Atlanta. And have we seen a more complete baseball team? That's right, a baseball team. Not teams that hit dingers all day long, because we know that's what it's turned into in the, in the MLB. For sure. But this is a baseball team. This is base running, moving runners, um, sacrifice flies, actually playing complete baseball, and it's nice to watch. Um, it reminds me of... The old Atlanta from, you know, the early 90s, late 80s, you know, the Otis Nixons and, hey, I'm going to bunt and we're going to bunch you to second base and Bobby Cox, we're going to move the runners along and we're going to rely on some some starting pitching and, and learn how to play true baseball. And it's nice to see. Cool little stat I saw. At the New York Yankees payroll this year was $10 million higher than the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Devil Rays payroll over the last five years oh from my. 2016. Wow! So it's nice to see that you just can't buy a championship. And and I want to just touch on something fun. So when Tampa Bay beat, I know it's a few days back, but when Tampa Bay beat New York uh, in the closing one with the uh, with the home run off of yep, Chapman, off of Chapman, Did wasn't you, that nice to see it, too? It was nice to see. And you know what was else was rub some salt into the wounds is. They played New York, New York on the big yeah. screen, <laughs> which great. was pretty cool. But you know what? I think uh, going back to uh, going back to the LCS, uh, Houston's Houston's gonna gonna turn around. This in for a long series. You, you know, you you just can't be shut down with with Springer, Altuve, and Brantley, Bergman. They're gonna they're gonna show up today. I I, I see Houston taking that game down, um, tight series. But I, I we we're gonna go Tampa, Atlanta. Yeah, I, I can't argue you there, and. Uh, Let's hope that uh, we can keep the Dodgers away for one more year. Absolutely. Dutch, can you smell that? <laughs> do you know what that is? What do we got this time? Can you smell what? Can you smell what we're cooking? That's PGA Tour golf picks, folks. And you better smell what Ginger and Dutch are cooking because we continue to be on a roll. Four in the top twenty-five again. My man Dutch was hot this week. I had a couple stinkers. Well, Sabatini had a bad round, yeah, final he did, round, he but he was round. solid. But you were locked in on this one, even when you got thrown off by Tony Fee now getting COVID. This week, Dustin Johnson's got COVID. It's not going to throw my man Dutch off. He's hot on the links. we got to start it off with you. The CJ Cup. Who do you like, Dutch? Yeah, you know, I was pretty uh, excited about my picks, and I really wish that Cameron Smith would have finished it off because I know I had a few of my uh, our listeners that were pulling for it. I got a couple texts saying we need a big one here. They, they did the each way. I hit I hit big with uh, Wolf. It would have been even bigger if he won the playoff, but unfortunately uh, uh, the Scotsman took it down last week in Martin Laird. Um, but, yeah, I, I, our picks have been great. I'm really liking this week. This is the course. Um, this is the Shadow Creek where they uh, where they had the big Tiger Phil match. Yep. Uh, even though that that thing kind of flopped the first time. Uh, uh, what a great golf course! It's going to be exciting to see, um, and it's a good field. You limited can, field a bit. It's a limited field, and you can see that they're getting prepped up for uh, the Masters, which is coming up in early November here. So uh, this is this is where they're all starting to come back. So um, I didn't have DJ uh, as my as my big gun pick. Unfortunately, he's got COVID, so he's going to be out for uh, a couple weeks here. But you got the return of Brooks Kepka. There's yep. a uh, you've got Tommy Fleetwood Good. in the field. You got some big names coming back. But I'm going to start with my big gun. We're going to go with Rory McIlroy. 
Um, he's played well after a couple weeks um, um, after being a dad. I've, I've got Rory as a big, big pick. I think he's going to be a winner. And I'm also looking at the Canadian. Adam Hadwin had a solid effort last week. Uh, he is ready to pounce. He's ready. This golf course suits him perfectly. And then my kind of sleeper pick is uh, is the old boy, is, uh, is Matt Kuchar. Um, he's, he's a familiar name. Everybody knows it. Uh, I, I feel he's going to have a good run. Um, it's not overly long the golf course for him. Um, I really think uh, that he's going to show up. So those are my picks. Well, we've got one pick of the same. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll ride with that, and we'll start from the bottom now we hear. And, and I'm going... All European. The boys came over from the BMW last week at Wentworth. Totally different golf course, but a big event for them. So they're used to this big event field. They're getting their games ready to go. So my sleeper pick comes over from England. Solid finish last week in the top 10. And that's Matthew Fitzpatrick. Like you said, this is an Irons golf course. Got to get it on the right level around those greens. So uh, we're going to go with Matt Fitzpatrick. How, do you, how, how can you take Matthew Fitzpatrick after what he said in the media this week? How can you take him? The guy's already defeated. He's already said that he's lost. He says he can't beat Bryson DeChambeau because he doesn't hit it as far. He pretty much flat out said that in the media. Oh, you know, DeChambeau's too good. He hits it too far. And, uh, you know, he's, he's taking the game into a, the wrong level. And you're going to pick a guy like that? Yes, I am. Because this is all just a ploy. Okay, you I hope think, you're right. You think he believes that? I hope Because right. if he believed that... He wouldn't be teeing it up in the field. Well, I hope you're right. I and he was right. in contention last week at Wentworth, yep. up against some great names. Yeah. Um, Tyrell Hatton ended up taking it down. Who's in the field this week? Yeah, I almost picked him. So you, you had all these guys out there. He knows he can contend, yeah. and he's just playing the game. Come on, get off right. of it now, Dutch. I hope you're right. I'm also taking another Englishman in the top five. He's had three straight top fives on the European Tour, I believe, um, and that's Ian Poulter. The putter's getting hot. He loves playing here, loves coming over to America. I'm taking Ian Poulter as my solid top 10 lock pick of the that's week. That's a guy you should follow, too, on Instagram and on Twitter and that because he's always cool. Yeah, I love right. his stuff. He's got a great garage. And then I, I have to agree with you. I know we don't agree very often. We're the devil's advocates of sports talk here, but uh, every once in a while I'll agree with you. Rory's been working hard on his game. He's working on some speed. DeChambeau's clearly having an effect because that's all you've seen from Rory all week was him at the range trying to pound those drivers out there and as Phil would say, hit bombs. And we know Rory can hit bombs and yep. when he's hot with those irons, um, it works out well. So I think Rory's in contention this I love week. It. I love our picks this week. Awesome. Well, Dutch, another great cast. Amazing special guest close to our heart. Yep. Local boy, Holland Landing, Ontario, Dr. Dennison High School. Pretty cool to have him on, eh? Yeah, it was really, really neat. You know what? Uh, Again, we follow his career. I'm a, I'm a Zags fan for life now, so it was nice to have him on and a great way to end the episode. So, folks, make sure you're tuning in. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we're signing off for the Ginger and Dutch Podcast. Stay tuned for our special guest next week, Lawson Krause, Arizona Coyotes five-year NHL vet, Team Canada World Juniors. Looking forward to it. Gauthier battles for it. Head that down to the corner. Finds Krause working in. Lawson Krause. Who scores? Lawson Krause. It's Lawson Krause, the draft eligible winger from Kingston, makes an unbelievable play. First at the blue line to keep the puck alive. He gets onto the loose puck. Then look at the little drag here. Stopped once, stays on it again. He and Gauthier muck the play up, keep it alive till it comes finally back to Krause. 
and a drag into his feet and a beautiful release. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.